0: Welcome back, everyone, to Innovative Leadership. I'm Ryan Stickle. With me as always is Stephanie Hurd. Hello. And we're back with our first guest of 2024, which is very exciting, very awesome. We are happy to be joined today by Stacy Crawford. How are we doing?
1: Good. How are you guys? Welcome. welcome. welcome Thank you so
0: welcome. much for coming. Thank yes, St- Stacy is the president and CEO at the Community Foundation of Washington County, Maryland, and she's a certified fundraising executive. So there's some expertise there <laughs> we'll, we, we'll get into that in a little bit but first off Stacy thank you for joining us
2: thank this is awesome
0: we are so grateful for your time today and uh, to you know get to know you a little bit this is my first time meeting you so that's very exciting and um, you know as we do each episode just tell us a little bit about yourself what you do and how you got here
1: ah oh, sure so uh, backstory on me is I've been in the nonprofit industry Yikes, I'm going to date myself over (laughs) 20 years uh, now. So actually, I'm educated as a speech pathologist and spent some time in the school system working um, with youngsters, but uh, quickly realized that uh, nonprofit was where my heart lied. And so I started my nonprofit career actually volunteering with Big Brothers Big Sisters um, when I was living out in Garrett County. Um, And that quickly uh, made me realize what I wanted to do with my life. And that was, you know, assisting our community. And so I have held positions uh, in education, educational fundraising. I worked at the hospital for a little bit in their foundation um, and then was fortunate enough while I was the director at HCC for their foundation um, to apply and be, um, be announced as the new president and CEO of the Community Foundation. And that's been almost six years ago which is nuts to think. (laughs) Um, Following some great leadership there, Brad Sell had uh, started the organization way back um, and had led that. Uh, as our executive director for over 15 years. And so I'm really excited um, to then carry on the legacy of what that organization has done and continue through the community.
0: Nice. So you say you started with Big Brothers Big Sisters? I
1: did. What was
0: it that initially drew you into that?
1: It's funny. My neighbor actually uh, was a board member there and was working on the Bowl for Kids' Sake one spring and said, hey, can you just help volunteer? And I said, yeah, sure. What do I need to do? Oh, we'll just make some contacts, see if you can get some teams. Um, I said I'm not really educated for this. I, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. And I remember her vividly saying to me. You just need to be a personable person, be able to talk and understand. And if you really believe in the mission, then you can do the work. And so I helped with that bowl for kids' sake, jumped on uh, that organization as a caseworker initially, uh, and then our executive director up there retired and took over that position. So kind of was quickly thrown into, um, but really realized that that neighbor that told me that was exactly right. You know, if you believe in the work, Um, You can do the work. And so that's led me, again, through all the different uh, nonprofit and fundraising jobs that I've had.
0: Hmm. That's funny because, you know, you just were like, oh, I don't know if I'm qualified and I don't know if this is right. But you just took a chance, dove right in. That's very cool. Very cool. Um, That seems
2: to be a theme we've heard from a few um, nonprofit leaders where they started as volunteers, kind of found that that is where their heart is. Tell us a little bit about – I mean, I can imagine – Your heart is in the mission, you know this is the right place to be, but then you're thrown into this position where you're running an office, you're leading a team, you're doing all the things that you do in a business... Um, what was that learning process like? Oh, you're
1: certainly right. So definitely, you know, I don't want to uh, elementary kind of the the, <laughs> the job of being a leader of a nonprofit. It for sure encompasses everything from, uh, you know, the business world and the nonprofit world. But I think that when you believe in the mission, then you're able to learn the processes. And so I did go back to school. I got another master's degree in strategic leadership just to Kind of understand, like you said, it's the accounting and the um, you know human resources and the legal aspects of um, of the job, and so and that also then of course led to me pursuing my CFRE, that Certified Fundraising Executive certificate, um, which is you know again just another. Uh, learning uh, thing for the job. So um, it certainly took a lot after, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that, you know, again, if you believe in your heart in something, then you motivate yourself internally to um, to want to pursue whatever knowledge you need.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point that Steph made, the trend we're seeing in in our guests where, and you know, and I, I feel this in my life, and maybe it's just my lens, the people I know, but you don't really know a lot of people growing up or in college that say, I want to work for a nonprofit. It's not, and, and there's a path to do that, right? You you put in the work, got the certifications. Why do you think that's not more common of a, of a goal for people?
1: We have this conversation a lot in our office too, because all of our team, I think, would say the same thing. Like we didn't think we were going to end up in a nonprofit, yeah. right? Um, but I think at some point in your life, you realize, you know, that the soft skills that you can um, acquire working in the nonprofit world because Mm. you're working with a variety of people, you're serving a a mission, um, are invaluable. And so um, we often say it would be nice to hear a lot of students would say, I want to get into the nonprofit world, but it's not not as sexy as some jobs. Mm. It's obviously the pay can be um, considerably different than the for-profit world. Um, But I think that once you get into it, it It's so rewarding. I can't, I really can't um, quantify with words how rewarding a, a day, a week, a year is when we look back and see what we've done. Um, and that's in every aspect of the nonprofit. I could have said that when I was with Big Brothers, Big Sisters or HCC or Meredith. Um, with the community foundation, though, for me, it's so much more because we touch every aspect from um, the young to the elderly to animals. And we I mean—we joke, we have funds that support feral cats. And I mean, <laughs> That's great because yeah. somebody's heart is there and we're able to help them um, fulfill their charitable goals. So That's awesome.
0: Would you say this is the most fulfilling role you've had currently?
1: You know, I think in every stage of your life, there's different things that are fulfilling about what you're doing. But I um, absolutely am honored to be a part of this organization and to be leading and to watch the growth in the community. Um, it is definitely the most fulfilling I've felt uh, at this point in my life.
0: That's great. Is there anything going on right now with the community foundation you'd like to highlight or is it just the usual lo- a lot of things? It's a lot and... <laughs>
1: of things, but I think our big deal right now and always at the beginning of any calendar year is our scholarships opened. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, again, talking about the future and the kids and what's going to happen in pursuing that post-secondary education or training, whatever that may be. Um, we are the largest provider of scholarships in Washington County for Washington County graduates. And um, it's always an exciting time of year uh, because it's a different audience that contacts us this time of year. It's the kids, it's the students, it's the parents that are just looking um, and we all know how expensive college is now. So uh, it's really, really rewarding for us to have all these opportunities open. Um, Our applications just opened up and they close April 1st. And so it's kind of full steam ahead. Um, We get to get into the high schools a good bit this time of year and that's, both exciting and terrifying if you've ever been in a lunchroom of a high school (laughs) (laughs) as an adult. Um, But it's it's a great time of year for us, um, you know, as far as really our reach uh, and talking to our donors about opportunities to support the next generation.
2: I know uh, the scholarship program is a little bit of a full circle moment for Innovative. Um, The Community Foundation is actually one of our clients and one of our texts that we've sent out there. You've mentioned, hey, isn't your picture on our wall as one of our scholarship recipients? So, Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, we do have. And gosh, now um, he got the Wiberly scholarship Mm -hmm. from us. But yeah, it's funny because he will come in and do some work. And there he is on our wall (laughs) receiving the scholarship back at Tech High. And that's probably, uh, that's been a few years ago. Yeah. Uh,
2: And and, I mean, talk about, you know, one of Innovative's missions is to create opportunities here in Washington County for our employees to grow. So how cool is it that you have a talented student from Tech High, gets a scholarship from the Community Foundation, finds a a good sustainable job here in Washington County, and then gets to come out and give back to the the organization that provided that. It's an amazing story. (laughs) And I think there's
1: so many other of those stories that we, we don't highlight as much as we should in this community. I mean, our our youth are doing some amazing things. WCPS has some amazing programs um, that we get to see because donors will come in and they have a specific passion. And, you know, we joke that we have scholarships as uh, as specific as blonde hair, blue eyed Williamsport residents. I mean, it really, if you're a donor and you have a true passion, we can match that. And so we get to really see some of the uh, programs that are out in the, in the schools and some of the developing students and and even some of the cool things that we've recently realized and donors are starting to get on board with is trades related Mm. education and ancillary cost to education. So, you know, it's not just tuition that our students are paying when they're Mm. going, it's certification costs. It's, I need a uniform. Geez, I just got my electrical certification, but I don't have a good pair of boots or I don't have the toolbox that I need. Um, And so we're really excited at breaking into that kind of um, support within the community.
0: That's awesome. Uh, we mentioned a couple examples there. Are there any examples of, you know, in, in your time in nonprofits, profits, seeing someone get helped out of a bad place or, you know, maybe it was a school event or a fundraiser. Are there any particular events that stick out to you as just being one of those one of those moments on your Mount Rushmore of, of nonprofit achievements that just it sticks with you to remind you why you do this?
1: Oh, that's a really, that's really (laughs) tough. I think it's, in, in the role that I'm in now in the community foundation, there are things every day that differ. And so, um, you know, I don't know if there's a real there, I could probably make a Mount Rushmore if I had some time to think about it, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, we just talked about students and that of course, always, uh, you know, coming from an education background that always really, you know, warms my heart and it's, it's exciting to see the the potential and the progress. Um, but then there's things like, for instance, oh, we had a church, a local church who, um, was having a, a congregation that was getting smaller, went through the pandemic um, and realized quickly that they probably weren't a sustainable church, but they had a nice amount of funds that they had collected and supported the community. Um, And so they were able to come to the community foundation and we were able to facilitate establishing a fund to support, after they were no longer uh, a church, the community that they had. And, and so wow. that was the Church of the Holy Trinity, which was over in the halfway area. And their fund is supporting Lincolnshire Elementary and, um, and assistance with people who are struggling in that halfway area. And their name and their church legacy will live on long after they are around. And it's those are the things that have become really special to us, is being able to see through. That idea of perpetuity that our funds support, um, whether that be a memorial for someone who passed or um, just creating a legacy for a family or an organization. And so I, I think I'd be, uh, I'd be biased to pick too many of the, the yeah. ones. Everyone has a special story um, to tell, and, and we're really honored to be able to be the ones to tell that. Wow,
0: that's amazing. And, you know, I think when we have these conversations uh, on this podcast, it all relates back to community. And there are plenty of, you know, big national nonprofits that do a lot of great work and help a lot of people, international even. Um, But there's something about these community ones that just feel a little bit different, a little bit special, because it could be your neighbor that you're helping. It could be, you know, somebody at work. You just never know who it's going to be when it's right there in in your hometown. Um, can you talk a little about that sense of community and the importance of that and and why people should be aware of things going on in their community
1: Oh absolutely I you know I think uh, of course you know it's it's the era of social media and things and you hear all the negativity um, you know I I cannot tell you how much good things are going on, um, and you know, of course, the Community Foundation is a nonprofit, but our sole mission is to, to support other nonprofits, and so um, our funds that are established that are held within our organization are distributed to actually do the boots-on-the-ground work that our hundreds of other nonprofits in Washington County are doing, and so it's. You know, it's a it's a matter of all the collaboration, if you could just see it in, if, if we could just take a, a you know, 80,000 foot view of it and see all the connection, um, it's amazing. Uh, we, we feel really blessed to be able to be a part to support them in doing it, the work, but I really have to give all the credit to the nonprofits, they're the ones Um, that are out there doing the boots on the ground kind of um, service to the community. And so uh, it's important for us to understand what they're doing and to be able to explain to our donors why it is important to establish a fund, that that legacy of giving, um, so that those nonprofits have that uh, alleviate a little bit of a burden off their budget each year through the distributions they get.
2: Can, Can you tell us a little bit more about the difference for those that might not know of an individual choosing to give through a community foundation mm-hmm. versus going directly to that nonprofit that yeah. they are interested in supporting?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And so it's often misconceived what exactly does a community foundation do? Um, and so in reality, what we do, and community foundations were established over 100 years ago and under the purpose of really perpetuity. And so that long time giving. And so most of our funds are held in an endowment model. And so only a portion of the interest is spent each year. Um, They are, they can be designated to specific organizations or they can be what we would term a field of interest. And so you love the youth or um, religious organization or um, animal, whatever it might be. Um, Of course, we have scholarships, um, and then we have kind of that idea of donor-advised funds where it's very active and changes. Um, So the difference between us and a single nonprofit is when you often give to your uh, local single source kind of nonprofit, um, you're giving to alleviate a burden on you know a program or something that they're doing and it's being spent almost immediately your understanding is that they're going to utilize that within you know a time frame when you give to the community foundation your gift is held for the benefit of whatever organization in perpetuity and is and a portion of that is offset it's invested and then given over time and so When people come to us and say, I have X amount of dollars and I want to support this organization, often the best answer is let's think about the best strategy, almost like you or I would with our own personal dollars of having this portion, our checking portion, going out um, to benefit whatever's happening right now. But let's think about our savings portion and how much we want to continue to support that call's over time, and long after we're here. And so we're not always a fit for everybody. Everyone doesn't love that endowment level, that savings level, but there is a huge value to organizations to understand that There's a fund at the community foundation that every year I'm going to get a disbursement from, and that alleviates a portion of my budget that I have to worry about, or it allows me to enhance a program each year. Um, So that's kind of the difference, checking savings, you know, giving out to right now being used. We are really kind of that saving, that um, strategy, that long-term planning um, to reduce that, uh, that financial burden on the organization's. Hopefully yeah. that makes sense. It, <laughs> it does, yes. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we talk all the time, and I mean, that's, that's part of running a business here about long-term strategy, long-term goals, planning, because without that, you don't really have a roadmap to what you're doing. Can you talk about your role as a leader and kind of overseeing that and how you delegate certain things and just kind of how how that goal setting works in kind of your sphere.
1: Sure. So, you know, we, we talk a lot. We have a very varied audiences within the community foundation. So obviously we're working with donors, but one of the big things that we're working with and similar to what you were just talking about is our organizations. For them to be able to strategically understand the benefit of funds within the community foundation and assist their donors um, that they're very comfortable with that they have relationships with in understanding what the benefit of establishing a fund at the community foundation for their benefit Mm -hmm. is Um, and so often it's about that strategy and so we have uh within our staff um there's four of us so we're kind of tiny um in in staffing model. We, we are managing about $65 million in assets right now, uh, just about, just shy of 450 different funds. Um, And so we've got kind of a model now where we have a staff person that's specific to scholarships and donor advised funds. Those are the kinds of things that are very fluid, you know, scholarships change kind of through time, donor advised funds are very active. Um, And then we have an employee, Susan, who is in charge of our field of interest funds and our designated funds. And she really works with our agencies um, to help them understand, to understand what they're doing so that we can match uh, donors with them and make the most impact. And so it's, it's, we kind of have lanes within our organization too, but in reality, all of our funds kind of flow over each other Um, and for us it's really about that donor intent and understanding really what a donor strategy is Um, and I think one thing that I'd like to make sure that we understand is the community foundation is not just for the rich right I think there's a misconception that um, there's no way my family could have a fund at the community foundation because we we aren't the the, the 1% mm-hmm. of Washington County. And in reality, our endowment level at the Community Foundation is $5,000, and that can be established over five years. So for a, a family, uh, $1,000 a year is a very doable, uh, charitable intent. Um, and so we are trying to make sure that we have maximized the amount of people that can assist um, and, and really maximize our distribution to the community.
0: What types of challenges do you face at the community foundation? Whether it's you know whether tr- trying to achieve goals, trying to solve a problem in the community, what are some of those challenges that that you deal with on a regular basis?
1: Yeah. So our, our biggest challenge is always the market, the stock market, you know, because yeah. our funds are invested, and yeah. of course we don't have this lovely crystal ball that will tell us it always goes up. Um, but I think one of our biggest challenges is that we do touch up a wide breadth of the community. And so really targeting a specific cause or a specific, um, you know, issue that's going on is hard for us because sometimes people, we do go by the donor intent. And so we may have a donor that walks through and, you know, maybe their calls is something different than another person's. And so really understanding and, and being able to understand the whole, width of the community and what's going on um, is often difficult because there are so many uh, different issues and each person believes that something different is the most pressing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And we want to be able as a staff and as an organization to honor that um, and understand and be able to assist. Um, But that's a big duty to figure out everything in a community, especially of our size, because you go everywhere from Hancock to Southern Washington County. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um, so, and one of our core values here at innovative is perception is reality. Mm -hmm. So even if you understand your team can manage the regular day to day, but then maybe press on a certain issue to, you know, maybe raise some for a certain fund, maybe someone else sees that and thinks, well, are they neglecting my fund and, and in favor of that? Well, you know, that's not the truth that's how they perceive it. So I guess that does involve some pretty open communication and education and, and all that. So is that something you, you tend to deal with? Yeah, we actually
1: just, uh, in prior years, we have what's called the responsive grants. And so it's a large granting program that we do and an annual grant to organizations. Um, and in years past, we've had a very, uh, broad funding statement. I mean, it covered just about anything. Almost every organization could write a grant uh, request and it would fit within. This year, we did take a bold stance and really looked at our youth as the next generation. Um, and so we really honed in on organizations and programs that were uh, focusing on youth and family stability kind of exercises. And so we we kind of held our breath when we put that statement out thinking, uh-oh, you know, what what will this bring? Um, but for us, it, it was great. It was a great exercise, I think, for our organizations, too, to really look at what they're doing. Um, and we've got some amazing requests. And we're really excited. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll announce our uh, 2024 responsive grants um, recipients. And some of those grants are amazing and, for us, much larger than we've ever done. But it was a, a real test for us to be able to kind of say, okay, this is what we think right now. Um, and, and when I say we, I mean our board, our mm-hmm. committees um, think is a pressing issue. And let's see how we can make an impact by funding large grants instead of spreading it out across a mm-hmm. whole lot of different <laughs> organizations. And so um, we're excited to see where that leads us um, and also where that leads us as far as uh, support within the community when we're when we're really taking a stance. Yes.
2: It it sounds like it's very accessible for a family or an organization to come to the Community Foundation and start one of these endowments. Are there opportunities if an individual or a business just comes to you and says, I want to give back to the community, but I don't really know how. I don't know that starting a fund is, is the way to do it. Are there opportunities for that through the community foundation? Do you refer them elsewhere? And if so, where? Can you talk to us? What advice would you give? Sure. So, um, of course,
1: we would would talk to anybody. We'd love to hear. And, you know, we really start everything. There is no cookie cutter um, for a fund structure for us or, um, you know, a certain way that we would do things. So our initial conversations really revolve around what's the charitable goal, whether that's an organization, a family, an individual. And then we will kind of mold and mend. And so, you know, a good a good um, example of that is often we'll get someone who wants to establish a scholarship, but they want that scholarship to be specific for students going to Hagerstown Community College. Hagerstown Community College has a wonderful foundation who can handle that, mm-hmm. you know, as well as we could, if not better. They're right there with their students, and so we'll often say you might want to have a conversation with HCC's foundation and see if it's best to support through them rather than the community foundation. However, if you're open to other students, then maybe you want to, you know, talk about a portion coming to us. When someone comes to us, you know, and says, I really want to support the humane society or breast cancer or whatever it might be, uh, we'll say, you know, is this a long-term gift? Is this, uh, you know, a in and out kind of gift? Um, and really one of our educational uh, opportunities there is to have them understand the benefit of that long-term sustainable giving. And so, yes, continue to give to all of your uh, nonprofits that you do now, but think about in the future how you can set them up again with the endowment kind of aspect. And so um, we have conversations with a lot of different uh, organizations. We do do some community project kind of pass-through giving. And so you may have heard that um, There's a wonderful Clara Barton Memorial Project going on right downtown um, near the Park Circle there. Actually, I think she's up. She just hasn't been unveiled yet. Um, And so we were able to help them uh, as kind of their nonprofit to pull through dollars for us to support that program. Washington Goes Purple is something that we felt was a great community project. And we started um, holding funds for them early when they were beginning. And now they've turned that over to a scholarship fund within our organization. And so um, sometimes there's an evolution of the relationship. And so we always encourage that conversation so that we can understand and then hopefully point in the right direction or advise Mm -hmm. uh, the best strategy.
0: Yeah, I love that concept because you know, first off, you have to understand what's out there to be able to point people in that direction. But also, you know, knowing, you know, people at HCC are going to know HCC a little bit better than than we do. And, you know, that what you're talking about kind of already exists. So let's, let's just put all our eggs in the right baskets here rather than spreading ourselves too thin. And then maybe, maybe, you know, things are a little disjointed, we're not sure, you know, this money's going to this, but not quite to this. And, Um, I like that idea of, you know, being open with people and just saying, hey, like, we might not be perfect for this. I yeah. think that it shows a lot of maturity for your organization as well as for the community. I mean, we can't really afford to spread ourselves all over the place and be disorganized. It, it takes, you know, thoughtful leaders who communicate to be able to organize this type of stuff and be able to, you know, handle all these endowments. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you more about Washington County just in general. Um, and we can, we can flip this on its head both ways here. Uh, we'll start with maybe more of the negative side and then we can spin it into a positive. Um, you know, I always want to ask our guests involved in the community about issues facing the community and maybe what they'd like to see improve. Is there anything right now, top of mind for you in this community or in Hagerstown that you'd like to see improve, or maybe you're working to improve?
1: Sure. So I think you know again, services, consistent services for our youth is always. You know, again, I I still am a kind of an optimist in that if we can just do the right things when the when the youngsters are young, that that might help as we turn. Um, You know, obviously we are located uh, in downtown Hagerstown, and so um, we're very interested in making sure that all of the issues that are facing the downtown area. Um, you know, are focused on. And so, of course, a lot of that revolves around mental health um, and addiction issues and, and homelessness. And so, you know, I feel like every day there's something new I could tell you yeah. um, that's facing. And, and I think sometimes we we do focus so much on kind of city center kind of things or mm-hmm. county seat kind of things, but I, I, I don't want to be... Um, ignorant to the fact that in our outlying areas, there are those same issues going on. And so we're very fortunate that we have um, a a wonderful partnership in Hagerstown with Interfaith, or I mean, I'm sorry, in Hancock with Interfaith. um, And they're doing some of the really, really important work out there that I think, it's the same things that we're doing in the county seat down here in Hagerstown, um, but it's so needed up there because there's a population. And so much of that also revolves around, you know, the education and youth and mental health and addiction and just, you know, stable housing kind of things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I feel like I could probably list a million things <laughs> um, or connect something to yeah. everything. I mean, you know,
0: And I think that's a great point to not forget about the people just because maybe they don't live in the most densely populated part of the county, right? Because that can be very easy. And you just see that in, you know, our country as a whole. It's like there maybe are some more forgotten areas because, you know, there's not as many people out there. It's a little easier to focus where everyone's located, but, you know, we're we're all over the place, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, Washington County. We're, you know, we're more out in the country. It's not quite, you know, the big booming city, right? So we're we got to remember everybody. So I think that's a, that's a really good point to make. And, you know, I've also noticed you you keep going back to, you know, the schools and kids. Do you think that comes from your experience being a speech pathologist working with kids?
1: I would say, I think I definitely have, there's a a comfort level with understanding that Mm -hmm. aspect, um, you know, but, and and I just think there's, there's, we're always looking of how can we make a change. And I think that making a change really, you know, for a whole generation has to start when, when they're young or when you have some ability to mold or mend the, the way of life or the how they're surviving. And so I, I just think that taking that, that approach to the youth Um, is often impactful and ripples, right? Because if we're supporting the youth and some of the issues that we're seeing are um, generational and that grandparents are raising, the elder care, you know, they're raising their grandchildren, their resources are are less. If we're providing for the youth, then we alleviate some of that burden on them. I just think there's a ripple when you start. Um,
0: Set them up for success mm -hmm. into adult life rather than waiting for them to become adults, then helping and then, That cycle is just going to continue and continue, right? Yep.
1: And economic development. I mean, we're going to need, like we talked about, we're going to need (laughs) the scholarship kids on the wall that come back and work here, (laughs) um, you know, to change or to enhance our community. Um, So again, I think that's, it's probably a bit of a comfort level for me because of my background, but it also, I do think has just this rippling effect for a community when you are really taking care of those that are younger as they go on.
0: It's just a big cycle, right? Mm -hmm. Help the community so the community can help Mm -hmm. the community. (laughs) And that just, it keeps going and going and going. And, you know, hopefully one day we can get to a point where we don't have to talk about it, but as long as it exists, it's just something you have to keep focusing on.
2: That seems to be a theme that we talk about a lot on this podcast too, you know, innovative, we're a business. Why, Why are we talking about, why do we have this podcast? Why are we bringing community leaders and talk about it? And it's, you know, We have talked about our mission is to grow, to create opportunities for our people and our our people live and work here. So that seems to be the theme. I think we spoke about it with the Leadership Washington County guests, Um, United Way of Washington County was here. And we just talked about why is it important for businesses, for for for-profit businesses to be involved and understand these causes. You know, literally everything that a nonprofit is facing, somebody on your team, somebody in one of your employees is facing that challenge and might need that resource. So I just think it's a really important connection to make to for-profit businesses as well, that this benefits you. It benefits your team. You have healthier employees with access to more resources. That's just, it's better for business. It's better for everybody.
1: Sure. And as a business, you want to be here a long time. Mm -hmm. I don't know many businesses that say I'm coming and I'm leaving in a couple (laughs) of years, right? You want to, so you want to invest your resources in the community. Um, you know, and a strong community creates a strong workforce, creates a strong business. Um, you know, there is just that kind of
2: Mm -hmm.
1: ripple effect.
0: Yeah. and I think we've even put it like flatly too. It's if everybody in the community simply has more money, more resources Mm -hmm. to spend, that is better for you as a business. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you want to frame it in the most flat, you know, somewhat selfish possible mm-hmm. way, I mean, that's just how it is. And so it, it makes sense. Yeah. if You have some, if you have the ability to, and your business is doing well, yeah, give back and yeah. that, you know, again, help your own workforce, help the people around you, help your customers or clients. Yeah. Uh, you just, you can't, can't harp on it enough, really. Yeah. Um,
1: And and we focus so much on the dollar side of things, because that's what we do. But you can't overlook the fact that as a business or, you know, a a for profit, giving back of your time through your employees is invaluable to our nonprofits that are doing the work. And so that volunteerism is 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 an immense help. um, And it can alleviate so much Um, From an organization when they have somebody that's willing and that's passionate about doing the work with them. Um, So dollars are great and we love dollars, (laughs) obviously, but um, but don't underestimate the power of just time um, or understanding or even just I always say, you know, for my board, it's it's about being the ambassador and 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 living the mission talking about it and helping people to understand and because we are kind of so different and people don't understand really what we do um it's just about education and so um, if more people understood and were compassionate about the things that are going on in the community i think the community would be so Mm -hmm. much more
0: absolutely um going back to the original question Mm -hmm. we can turn this into a more positive conversation What's going on in the community right now that you look at and it just fills you with joy, gives you hope for for the future? Is there anything happening right now? Oh, in particular? my goodness.
1: Yeah, there's so many things. I've got, already hit on the, you know, the amazing things that Washington County Public Schools are doing with our students, um, you know, and, and the opportunities that they're providing. And we've talked about HCC and what a resource and and just a pipeline of those education, you know, going on to USMH or um, out to PIA or to the Bar Institute or whatever that might be. So I think, there's amazing things going on, um, in education, but then on the flip side of that, there are some amazing things going on from our nonprofits that are really, really working in the community. So, um, you look at some of the uh, resources that are helping with uh, elder care. And so whether that be the commission on aging and meals on wheels, I can't tell you how exciting it. we see them picking up the meals now uh, behind our office, cause they're picking up from behind like lighters. And so that army of volunteers that gets those meals out, um, you know, and, and, I have a family member who's been a recipient of those meals to understand the impact that that happens um, when they receive that and just when they receive the interaction is amazing. Um, You look at some of our organizations that are helping animals in the community. I can't, it just, it amazes me every day how many people have a heart for the animals and all the different things that are going on. Yes. And so, and and I think so many of these organizations, the, the most important thing is that they're collaborating and they're working together and they're understanding that if I can't provide, um, you know, a certain resource, I can refer out. And so I'm seeing... I think we're seeing a lot more of talking and Mm. I can't do this, but you can help me or let's refer. Uh, It's that unselfish nature that I think our leadership in the nonprofits now is beginning to make a turn to. Um, Again, I don't know exactly how it was before, but I'm just speaking from our, um, my experience now, you know, post pandemic, I think people realize like. We mm-hmm. got to we got to figure this out together. Um, and so, you know, it kind of goes back to even during the pandemic. We were like, what what can we do? We don't do the boots on the ground work at the community foundation. We just provide dollars. We're giving the funding for those. Um, so we quickly were able to partner uh, with our friends at the United Way. And we had an amazing although I think Heather would say probably crazy busy, um, a <laughs> couple months of really supporting those nonprofits that were doing the work and granting out to them. And so I, I do think that post-pandemic, we've seen a lot more collaboration, um, which is makes me really happy.
0: And I don't think the impact of the pandemic can be oversold, as, even as much as we talk about it, because just the fact that, I mean, we're, we're almost four years removed from the start of it, And we still pretty much every episode of this podcast have someone mention how it impacted their life or their business or, or whatever it might be. And so I'm glad you mentioned it and, you know, the lessons learned and the things that came of it, because we are still feeling the impact, I think, far more than we even realize, even with us talking about it all the time and saying, you know, it was a a difficult time and we learned this. I just don't think it can be, it it can't be undersold at all. No, Um, it's, it's a. it's still we're still gonna be feeling that for for years and years to come because it was just you know a life-changing thing yeah. nobody <laughs> under the age of you know like 110 <laughs> had experience i think so um it's just it's unreal and i'm glad you mentioned you know the communication that exists and i think community can lend itself to that people know each other you know we have people come in and you know steph knows people having you know worked around here for a while and I'm starting to meet new people and make connections and, and build a network. And I mean, th- those are all meaningful conversations and, you know, I, I have people on a, their podcast guests for my job, but at the same time, these are people, you know, I'll connect with them on LinkedIn and, you know, I'll chat with them sometimes and see how, how it's going. And, you know, just to have those connections long-term, you can never have too many, right? Because yeah. one day you might need that person to go, I know the exact right person to help me with this issue. Um, and you know, it helps with this podcast also to know, to know people and bring them in and, you know, people like you with your expertise and your experiences, it's just invaluable, um, to talk about. And, uh, speaking of shared experiences, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you took part in both leadership, Frederick County and Washington County, correct? I did. Do you want to talk a little bit about those programs and- I mean, I'm sure you have lots of good things to say because everybody we talk to does. (laughs) Yeah, both
1: amazing programs and both, uh, you know, I I did not grow up in either Frederick or Washington County. I'm a product of Carroll County, uh, Westminster. (laughs) So I, you know, didn't have uh, you know a whole lot of knowledge. It, you know when I was working in Frederick County, I got into leadership Frederick County again. An amazing program structured much like wa- leadership Washington County. Um, but when I came here, you know, and part of the reason that I m- I moved out of working in Frederick County at Frederick Community College was because I felt this powerful need to live and work in the same area. Being a nonprofit leader, I just felt like it just was it, it just it fulfilled me much in selfishly much, much more than kind of working for one thing and then coming and living in another community. Mm-hmm. Um, but being in leadership, Washington County just opened my eyes. I mean, I felt like I knew a lot and I didn't know a lot. <laughs> so um, it, it was an amazing and the connection that you just spoke of, the network that you uh, established there is just there's, there's no, no dollar amount you could put on that um, for what it has done, you know, in my career post my time there. And I was class 30. So my gosh, they're on what 38 going on now. So so. uh, it's been almost eight years ago. That feels a long time. And,
0: you know, I mentioned the value it has, whether, you know, somebody just, Mm -hmm. you, you need their help or their expertise, but just knowing that person to talk to them and listen to them and, and hear about what they've gone through and things they've learned. Even if you don't, necessarily apply directly to your life just to have that knowledge period is so important and you know that's I think that I I didn't intend for it to but it really bled into that conversation naturally of man you do really make those connections and you know I I haven't personally gone through the program myself yet at least maybe Mm -hmm. one day but I mean you know Steph brings in people and it's it's like you were in leadership you know several years ago and it's like you, you still in it with this person it's like it just Mm -hmm. never that connection never goes away it doesn't seem like it doesn't
1: and i even feel like just the idea of like i'm a leadership washington county grad like you can just say that and it could be a class five and i'm class 30 like there's that commonality and i think one of the interesting things about leadership washington county which was a little bit different than leadership frederick county is that the the classes were planned by the class right and so Mm -hmm. your experiences are planned often by uh, the perceptions or realities of the people within your class, which to me was really interesting because every year is different. And so, you know, I went through and then uh, one of my employees went through and it was like her her days were different than ours. And so it was exciting for me when she would come back to the office to say, hey, you know, what did you do on your day? And oftentimes it wasn't anything like what I did, but she could share that knowledge. And so that kind of continuity through of – just that different experience but all again revolving around really educating yourself on the things going on. Um,
2: yeah, and, and I think it really gives the program the freedom to change based on the you know what's what's truly happening this year yeah. in the community. There might be a hot a hot button topic that wasn't applicable when you went through the program, but now it would be silly to just repeat what we did last year because there's this big thing happening. Right. So we have to change how we do the day. Um but also on the Leadership Frederick County side, their project, I don't know, it, when you went through the program, did they do the Leaders on Loan project? Yes, yes. Um, that was really powerful. I mean, I'm, I've am i been a Rotarian since 2018, and my introduction to Rotary was, in Leadership Frederick County, Rotary Club of Crow Creek was my Leaders on Loan project. Oh, okay. Um, so, the, and then, you know, a few years later, I became a, a Rotarian in that club. So, Again, also a, just an awesome opportunity that programs like that give you to mm. connect with an actual nonprofit. Maybe you've never volunteered or done a project like that, and it's always interesting in that program. I think the story goes one group. I think every year one group almost always has a project that they think just falls flat on its face or gets blown up or you know something. Yeah. I put awful in quotation marks. <laughs> happens, but that's also a learning experience of the realities of working for a nonprofit. Right, executive directors leave. Right, boards. Implode <laughs> all the things that that crazy things that happen. You have to deal with that comes
1: to you. Yeah, it's again. I can't say enough about that program and the, and the opportunities that it opens for you. And I, but I will say that it you have to be open for mm-hmm. that, right? And so I think that one of the first things that they say to us at the retreat when you go through the leadership is you make this what it's going to be. And so you can just suck in the information and know that, and you're going to still going to get a lot. But if you really immerse yourself in the experience and the networking, um, it's so much more rewarding. And so, you know, I always, when thinking about like, you know, employees going through, it's really a matter of making sure that they, you know, really immerse themselves and give their full attention Mm -hmm. um, to the experience.
0: And that's just a good lesson for life, whether professional or personal, just if you don't really want something, you know, good luck achieving it because right. it's if if you don't want it, you're probably not going to put in the the proper effort and work and and care and yeah. um, you know, that's just a great thing to take with you and I mean that that all connects together, right? The community aspect of it, the networking aspect and then just kind of the the value of wanting something mm-hmm. and caring and immersing yourself in in what you're doing to, you know, get the best result or goal or outcome. So Definitely a great, great lesson learned there.
2: I do want to switch gears a little bit. Um, And as a leadership podcast, you've had some interesting leadership experience for two kind of different types of nonprofits. You've been a standalone nonprofit with the Community Foundation and Big Brothers Big Sisters. And then with your experience at HCC and Meredith's, being the foundation that's tied to a larger organization. Um, Just curious the difference in leadership approach. I'm sure that brought some (laughs) challenges and also advantages to being connected with large organizations like that. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah,
1: I mean, obviously, when you're in a large organization, um, you know, such as Meredith or HCC, you have a lot of external support that goes on there. And so, you know, at the Community Foundation, at Big Brothers, Big Sisters, I I didn't have a marketing department. Uh, We don't have, you know, a, a specific specific IT employee, those kinds of things. So there, there obviously is that extra support there. Um, You know, finance, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm balancing budgets and things (laughs) like that at HCC, you know, that there was a department for that. And so um, I think that that that's the difference that the, the, the similarity is that it's you're still working for a mission um, and you're still supporting a cause um, and you're still a small portion of a large community Mm -hmm. um, that you have to feel good about the fact that you're um, you know being trustworthy to donors and and really honoring what they want to do and so um, that doesn't change uh, the the need to network the need to be um, fair and those kinds of things those never change um, what changes is just kind of that level of oh yeah if i if my computer comes on and i don't know what's going on, i can call it but that's why as small nonprofits we have People like innovative, but <laughs> <laughs> we just hit the helpline and we always get what we need. So, um, you know, again, it, I think it's just a level of, you know, I often joke at HCC, it was like a small town. I mean, it was its mm-hmm. own town inside an organization, um, you know, and there's a level of you kind of miss that. Lots of interaction and mm-hmm. moving around. There was a lot of... But then again, now at the Community Foundation, you know, there's four of us, and we make decisions maybe a little bit quicker. We're able to kind of Mm -hmm. mend and mold. Um, So, you know, it all has its ups and downs, um, but definitely, you know... It's it's interesting to to kind of move through my life in those, um, but I will I will go back and say this is the
2: most fulfilling <laughs> that I've been. So nice. <laughs> I, I would imagine we've talked about this a little bit with some of even the innovative leaders that we've talked to on this podcast. That experience in a larger organization, mm-hmm. just to kind of know how things are done at a larger scale, that you're able then to bring, now bring back to a smaller organization. Oh yeah. Know hey, we should just be able to have IT that works, or we should just be able to have a budget that it looks like this and is easy to comprehend. I'm sure that's beneficial.
1: Yeah, it absolutely, um, you know, and I would say the same thing about it was wonderful for me to have an an experience, you know, in a small organization. The Big Brothers Big Sisters organization that I uh, was a part of is Garrett and Allegheny County and Mineral Mm -hmm. County in West Virginia, and so much smaller. Um, You know, to kind of start through that, it's almost like thinking about someone who works their way up into a leadership role, but has seen and touched just about everything else in the community. So, you know, I often say when, this job came uh came up and I applied for it. It was like a culmination of all the things that I'd done. Small nonprofit, educational fundraising, mm-hmm. healthcare fundraising, you know, and now I'm gonna get to touch the whole community. And so for me, that's was really the intrigue of moving uh into the position I'm I am now. And I think it has served me well to have had those experiences under my belt to understand uh, a little bit of everything. You know, it's kind of that, you know, I kind of get and, can, and know the resources. I mean, mm-hmm. in reality, uh, as a nonprofit leader or someone getting into nonprofit, I would say, know, know your resources, be able to adapt and amend and talk to a variety of people, um, and use your network. I mean, that's that's. there's no book that tells you how to be a nonprofit leader.
0: Wow. Well, I usually ask our guests any advice for somebody trying to get into this field, but you've You've already answered it. You threw an innovative plug in there, which yeah. we didn't even ask for. So, I mean, you are you are a perfect guest oh, by, by far. <laughs> uh, Stacy Crawford, everybody. President and CEO at the Community Foundation of Washington County. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you,
2: too. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you, thank Steph, you. as always. Thank you. Uh,
0: we'll see you next time. I, I'm not sure who our next guest is, to be quite honest.
2: Uh, yeah, we, ha- we have a few on the calendar, but I'm not sure who's coming up next.
0: So, <laughs> you're going to have to stay tuned to find out. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with a fresh new episode for you. More great conversation, as always. Thank you for tuning in. This has been Innovative Leadership.